welcome. I'm Jim Ellermeyer. I'm a behavioral health therapist, and perhaps you're not familiar with a local organization here in Pittsburgh called Doors Open Pittsburgh. Doors Open Pittsburgh offers some guided and walking tours of various sites and events and places around the city of Pittsburgh. And as a behavioral health therapist, I chose to take a walking tour of one of my favorite places on earth, and that's Highland Park, located in East Liberty, Pennsylvania. Now, you may think, well, what's so special about this tour? Well, as a mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapist, what I like to do is introduce people to the concept of paying attention on purpose, and that mindfulness is not necessarily sitting on a satin pillow going, mm, all day. It's about participating in your life and being present. On this tour, not only are we going to be introduced to the sights and sounds and historical data of Highland Park, what we'll also do is introduce you to various ways to participate in aspects of your life, to observe, to describe, to participate, to be able to label and describe accurately how you're thinking and feeling in order to create memories. As we go through life, we can accumulate t-shirts, we can accumulate knickknacks, but one of the most important things and the only thing is we really carry is memories. So on this tour, we'll be participating in mindfulness activities, some breath activities about being in the moment, so you can translate and incorporate the techniques that you'll learn on this mindfulness-based walking tour into every aspect of your life. For times and ticket information, please go to www doorsopenpgh.org. Thank you. Be there or be square. Ah, whether you've got here by accident or on purpose, whether you have been hijacked and held for a hostage, or actually you made a choice to be here, welcome to Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we help people explode into their lives through full impact mindfulness. The only entrance requirement is the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. And if you have a few pixie dust sprinkles of those, welcome aboard. My name's Jim Ellermeyer. I'm a behavioral health therapist. And today, as we often showcase our eclectic roster of guests, we're joined by Jess, who happens to be a delightful young lady, a renaissance young lady. Welcome aboard. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So, Jess, what's good about being you? I guess what's good about being me is I never have a normal day. I am always doing something out of the ordinary or something that you wouldn't expect a person to do with their day, with their life. So, so it's not with your life. It's not same stuff, different day. That's right. Does that make you just, does it give you a little excitement about life? Can you look at life as an adventure and rather than look at life as an obstacle to look at it as an opportunity? Most days, yes. Um, there are obviously some days where ha doing things differently from everybody else feels challenging and it just feels like a lot. But for the most part, I go into every day just excited to do whatever I'm going to do. Well, I'm glad that you feel that way. And how we got associated with Jess was through Instagram. And on Instagram, uh, Jess has a alter ego. And that alter ego is? I am a professional wrestler, and I wrestle under the name The Unwilting Tatiana. The Unwilting Tatiana. Okay. 
So all this had to be, you didn't hatch inside of a wrestling ring. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you came from. So I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, PA. I pretty much spent my entire life in one uh, little township called Castle Shannon with my family. Um, I discovered wrestling because of my brother. My brother and his friends used to love it. There's uh, about 15 years difference between him and me. So um, he and his friends would babysit me when I was really small and would watch wrestling, and I fell in love with it. And throughout my entire life, I've always been doing creative stuff. I, uh, I sang in the choir. I did the musicals. I took painting classes. Um, I tried to do sports. I, honest, I gave a really good, honest effort to multiple sports, and I was not good for any of them. <laughs> did you go to Baldwin? No, I went to Keystone Oaks. Oh, okay. Okay, excellent. So it seems like you perhaps were a few standard deviations away from what the norm would be, what a template life would be of a young lady. You could definitely say that. Um, the way I was brought up, the environment I was always surrounded in, there was nothing out of the ordinary. There was nothing to really careen my life off into anything extraordinary or ridiculous. It was pretty standard run-of-the-mill. The biggest biggest factor in things going off the course, so to say, was me. I've just always been very creatively driven, and I didn't want to be like everybody else. I didn't want to spend my life behind a desk, and I just I wanted to do something fun with my life. Well, Henry David Thoreau said that most men live uh, lives full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. And um, my thoughts about you is that uh, you want your life to mean something. I do. I, I want to have the kind of life that I can look back on and say, I did something special. I want to have the kind of life that others look back at what I've done and say, she did something special and something that we can all learn from, something that helps us. Well, we always talk on this show, I always thought my perfect cemetery would be on every tombstone would be the epitaph, no regrets. No regrets. I don't want an epitaph that says he worked hard. I want an epitaph of no regrets. Okay. So what are you looking forward to in your life? What did you, as a, as a young adult, as a little girl, what did you look forward to? What did you dream about? Hmm. I really, when I was a little girl, I really thought that horses were going to be a bigger part of my life. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think I looked forward most to, uh, to traveling and, you know, experiencing new places and meeting new people. And I kind of ended up doing that. So tell us about, tell us, tell us how people can make dreams possible. For me, it feels like it was mostly luck. It feels like I got lucky in meeting the people I met. Um, I met somebody in middle school who knew I was a good singer, and so they suggested I try the musicals, and I did, and I fell in love with theater. I got to college, and I met some friends who worked in the technical side of theater, and they knew I could paint. So when I got rejected for musical theater, something I thought I wanted to do with my life, They said, hey, you can paint. Why don't you try scenic design? 
And I did, and I found my passion, my, my calling, if you will. I met two kids at a Halloween party dressed as professional wrestlers that I saw on TV. And they said, hey, you like wrestling. Why don't you come with us and check out this wrestling school so maybe you can do it too. And it led me to probably the coolest thing I've ever done with my life. So luck has been described just as when preparation meets opportunity. So tell us a little bit about that. That I'm not a believer in luck. I believe that uh, it's prep when preparation meets opportunity. So you're prepared. You were obviously trained to sing. You were a good singer. You loved to paint. So when that opportunity presented yourself, you took advantage of it. Uh, so tell us about after you graduated from high school. Uh, after I graduated from high school, I basically made a beeline straight for Point Park University, where I got my degree from. Um, I had had an opportunity to go and check out that campus, and I fell in love with it. And the programs looked amazing. The teachers looked amazing. So I put in the work. I got accepted to the school, and I started preparing to audition for uh the degree I wanted, essentially, and it didn't work out. It actually didn't work out twice. But then, um, like I said, I made friends while during my first year of college, and they were all doing um, technical theater stuff. There was a couple of sound designers, lighting designers. My best friend became a, became a costume designer, and they, you know, they knew that I had taken painting classes in high school. They'd seen some of my work. So they basically told me, hey, you know, there's a whole degree, there's a whole part of theater where you have to be a good painter. If you're a good painter, you're set for life. Why don't you throw some of your paintings into a portfolio, put a resume together and give it a try. See if they let you in and teach you. So for those uh, uh, listeners out there, Point Park College is a university in Pittsburgh that's uh, widely known for its uh, focus on performing arts. They have one of the best performing arts programs in the country. Um, they also have one of the best business programs in the country as well, but um, it's a little bit overshadowed. Um, and obviously, the performance side of theater is well-renowned and loved, um, but not many people consider what happens behind the scenes. I certainly didn't, not until um, the door for performing sort of shut for me, at least performing on a Broadway stage, because obviously that door then kind of squeaked open later down the line. Um, yeah, they had an excellent technical theater program that I was pretty quickly accepted into after I presented my work. And I trained under some incredible designers, incredible sound engineers, and all that. So one part, a big part of life, and as a behavioral therapist, I have to help people prepare and deal with disappointment. How did you? I, when I got that first rejection for musical theater, I kind of put my head up and I said, that's okay. I'm going to try again. I'm going to keep taking classes. I'm going to take an acting class. I'm going to keep practicing singing and, you know, take dance classes on the side. I'm going to try again. 
And the second one hit me harder because I had worked so hard and I thought I had it and I didn't. And I took time for myself to go and express the feelings I needed to. And then I surrounded myself with people who not only cared about me, but like could, you know, help me face reality, help me plan what to do next. Um, I don't think disappointment is something you should face alone. You obviously have to take time for yourself when you get that disappointment because emotions can be hard and you just need a second to figure out what you need. But after that, you it helps so much to just bring people in and have them help you. That's a telling statement, Jess, about not having to face disappointment alone because so many people feel they do. They, they isolate and shut people out. I certainly have quite a few times when I shouldn't have. But ultimately, when there's big disappointments like that, I try to reach out and tell people somebody and just be like I need help figuring out this or I need help just getting through this I just need to talk and quite often what a therapist does often and good friends do is they sit with people through the pain mm -hmm. they don't have to have advice or make things magical happen uh, so in the 12-step world we listen to people for a while and then we ask them what do they want to do about it mm -hmm. so I imagine you have some friends who actually said that to you too they did. They uh, they all took me to lunch and they said, all right, so you can't do that. What do you want to do next? And I responded with, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I wrapped my entire plan around this working and it didn't work. And they're like, yeah, you going to do that again? And I said, probably, but I am going to think twice. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah, they, uh, they sort of helped me figure out like, okay, well, do you like writing? Maybe you can do this. Do you like journaling and journalism? Maybe we can try that. And then finally somebody went, hey, wait a minute. Don't you paint? And that opened up a conversation about scenic painting and I kind of went from there. So you pursued that and could you share with people what you do now? I am the assistant scenic charge for the Pittsburgh CLO. I work underneath uh, the current scenic charge and the upcoming scenic charge down in Springdale, PA. And essentially, we paint all of the new sets for shows premiering at the Benidum and at the Cabaret. And occasionally, the Biom, too, um, but not as much. Um, yeah, I spend every day painting. So when the performers come out on stage, I don't know if many people realize the action and effort that it took to make that all that happen and put it together. Some people, some people do. Most people, they, they, it's not that they're like actively ignoring it. They're just so absorbed in the entire experience that they don't break apart every individual thing that's making the experience what it is, which I kind of like when that happens as goofy as it is because it tells me that I did a good job of making the set perfect for what was needed. How long have you been doing that, Jess? Let's see. I have had this job for the past two years, and I graduated from Point Park with my degree in scenic design back in 2019. That's so, impressive. Thank you. Um, 
I, I guess scenic painting I've done for see, three years in college, plus the internship and two years now. About five years, there was a gap where I didn't do any professional painting. So I'm glad you stayed in Pittsburgh. So tell us about dealing with disappointment. So many people uh, give up. What do, you, what do you have to say to people that, gee, look at you, you're this, you're that, and uh, that would never happen to me? What would you say to them? I would say that using the term giving up feels too harsh. It's, it's okay to stop pursuing something if it's not working. That's not giving up. That's moving on. Not every door is meant to open for you, or at least not open in the way you expect it. And, you know, when one door closes, another opens. But it, moving on from something that continues to disappoint you, it's not necessarily a bad thing. That's an interesting statement about one door closes, another open. And I often use this analogy on this show and in 12-step meetings. Uh, there's a Pollyannish statement out there that says, God doesn't close one door without opening in another but nobody ever shows you where that door is. Uh, but in a 12-step world, we'll say, yes, that's true. However, it can be hell in the hallway. Mm -hmm. So the idea about life is navigating the hallway and navigating the hallway through the disappointments in your life, Jess. We'll be continuing our conversation with the delightful Jess, also known as the unwilting Tatiana, professional wrestler, on our next podcast of Fishing Without Bait. And... You're in for a real treat tonight because you have a free prescription from this show. Fruits, nuts, and vegetables, and unplug your television. And take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself and a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.